Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive help supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Well, this is some darned important stuff we're about to cover with you. We're so glad that you chose to spend a little tiny portion of your day with me and Tommy there, talking real money. I'm Don McDonald. Yes. That's Tom Cock. Yeah, you got that right. <laughs> and our phone number is 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Uh, we want to help you manage your money better. We really, really, really do because, well... It's important, and the most important thing you're likely to do with your money is save it for retirement, is build the wealth you need to retire, because most people, at some point, most people want to retire. They just want to... Do you really want to retire? I don't think I do. I mean, retire, totally retire. retire. No, not. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, so. here's what I would do. I, I, I've already thought about this a lot. Um, I would probably do a once a week money podcast or radio show or something. Mm-hmm. And I would do a once a week short story podcast, my lit reading thing. And I might do for fun a little. I because you know, I'm, I'm I, I like acting. I do a little acting once in a while, but that. That that's kind of retiring because I get to do it when I want to do it. Really. And you do less of it. And I do less yeah. of it, so I'll have less income. And that's really the key. Yeah. Is maybe we don't want to retire. But when we get we we've been doing the things we're supposed to do for all of our adult lives or well, some of us have done most of what we are supposed to do for our adult lives. And it's time to do the things you really want to do before you check out. Yeah, and here's the problem. I mean, you, the headlines, you, you've seen these before. But uh, the National Institute on Retirement Security, they, they have a study they do about once a year. Mm-hmm. And they look at so how good it looks for people to retire, and it doesn't look very good. I don't want to go into all the numbers because it's kind of depressing. Well, give I me mean, some frankly, numbers. Well, Come on. I, you give, know, me, I mean, give me the 30,000-foot the, the, the okay, view. Half of American workers over, over the age of 40 have less than $50,000 saved. Now, we can't oh, help you if you're 50. Oh. Well, actually, that's not true. If you're right, 50 you're right. and Wait, you've that, saved 50000 it's going to be tough. Stop. That's too depressing. You're right. All right. I mean, that's one. We can't right? talk about this subject anymore. I'm sorry. What do you people <laughs> think you're doing? We're going to move on to sports. How many? Half? Half. Yeah. Over the age of 40. But, okay, so that's bad. I get it. Um, and the thing is, even if you're 40, you should start doing something. Yeah. Or 50. Or even 60. I talk to people sometimes who say, I haven't really done anything. Okay. Do something. Start saving somewhere. I have to say, to be perfectly honest, I you know I did a few IRAs and the, the like when I was younger. Mm-hmm. But because I was an entrepreneur for so much of my life. You still are. 
Yeah. Um, you know, it was, I've had businesses fail, mm-hmm. do really well. I've had this whole yeah. boom bust thing. And so it wasn't really until I was in my 50s or 60s that I started at least having, at least seeing a little light at the end of the retirement tunnel. So I can't. I can't. Yeah, so you shouldn't. Okay. Well, I think that's a good point, by the way, because a lot of people get to 50 and say, I have nothing. I give up. I think mm-hmm. that's not, not a good idea, but you need to save something. And again, even the people that kind of are saving, it's, it's like 18 million people that don't even save all the way up to the, the match uh, for retirement. I mean, at their employer. Okay. Plan. Now that's just a bad idea. Cause you're like, that's like, that's like Free money. looking down at the ground and seeing $20 bills yep. all over the place and <laughs> thinking, you know, uh, my bend back over. too much to pick those up. <laughs> exactly. Which mine does. Uh, so, but okay, you'd so, still pick up the 20 bucks. Yeah. Oh, you can count on that. I picked yeah. up the leaves today. I'll pick up the 20 bucks. Uh, the thing is, <laughs> What I find not just depressing about this, but but kind of alarming is people have a tendency not to think about this at all until they're about 50. That's one of the things, the findings, they get to about 50, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to quit here in a couple of years. Now, a lot of the people that we're lucky enough to talk to that listen to the podcast are like 25 and they're saying, hey, what can I do? That's fantastic. Right. They're they're saving, they're investing, doing all that. But if you're 50, what do you do? Okay, first thing is you say you start saving something. Right. Yep. Much as you Number can. Number two, as much, much you as you can. Absolutely. Number two, you invest it properly. You use low-cost index funds. Most of the money should be exposed to stocks, right? Oh, wait. Can I add a number one before the number one? Yeah, I was just going to get to that, actually. Spend less. They're spending less, but but that gets back to the thing that starts with a P and ends with an N. Because pain? over 50... <laughs> pain. Good point. I, I, because if you don't have a plan, I think anybody over the age of 50 should have a plan. Okay, have a plan. You got to have a plan because if you don't have a plan, where are you headed? You have no idea. You got to have Sam. Here's what I'm trying to do. Most people don't even have that because you, oh, I'm just saving for retirement. How are you saving it? Well, you know, I've got some throwing my 401k, et cetera. You really need to know what your, how long I'm going to work. Here's how much I'm likely to need. Therefore, how much risk I have to take, et cetera. That has to be at the middle of anything. So get started, do it right, have a plan, listen to Talking Real Money, and if you're having any problems you need help, call us at 855-935-TALK. There you go. Tom and Don are talking real money. Set your course for a great future with a free copy of our 60-page Better Retirement Guidebook at vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. You know, here in Florida, it's it's downright chilly. Yeah, to what? 65 degrees. Oh, my goodness. You're kidding me. (laughs) It's mid-50s here. This is the first chilly air I felt in Florida in like nine months. It's the temperature. Well, okay. It's still. What's the temperature there? Well, it's just 45. Wow, Ooh, it's see, that's 20 degrees colder. Uh, mm. Hi, welcome back to Talking Real Money. I'm Don, that's Tom. We're talking with you about your dough and how you deal with it. And now it's time to bring Brian into the fold. The He's been ever waiting patient Brian. Brian, yeah. welcome to Talking Real Money. Hope we have a good answer. Hey, so much for having me on the show for a minute. Well, we're, we're, we're glad you hung in there All for so ears. Long. What's up? Oh, man, it, that's my pleasure. I'm a big fan of you guys, and uh, I'm, that's kind of my question today. I'm a fan of you guys, Paul Merriman, and Larry Swedro. You guys are my four guys that I listen to, I geek out, and 
I've developed a strategy that I'm confident in. Um, it, in it involves the 10 passively uh, passive asset class funds that are recommended by you guys and Paul. And I'm very confident in that, but I have a pro I have like a little misunderstanding and I wanted to just get your opinion on it. And it's probably from Larry, isn't it? No, I'm going to blame Paul on this. No, one, it's got to be Larry. I'm guessing it's Larry. Is it Larry? Come on. You, you all know. How did you know? Because Larry gets we into the weeds. Yeah, Larry's Larry goes a, a retired economist in a while. And, yeah. We love Larry Swedra. Yep, we love him. Yep. We love him. We love his accent. Yeah, we do. Uh, but that. Larry, Larry gets a little weird sometimes <laughs> because he seems like he wants to justify some crazy wacky ideas. So, what? Which of Larry's wacky ideas do you want to know about? Man, you guys are psychic. I, I love Larry. He's a genius, and I really do actually. I love getting into the weeds. Fascinating, but. The one of the, the one idea that you asked that I'm like kind of confused about is that he seems to think that if you have 30 years, you all, the only exposure to the market you really need is small in value and some bonds, obviously. Right. And it makes a lot of sense if it's an efficient market. Um, I mean, seems the only risk would be if you can hang in there. That is, seems the only risk would be that you would have some tracking error risk. Oh really? no! You see, you already you, you don't don't go any farther. You absolutely nailed it. With your first response, if you can hang in there. By the way, that's an asset class that I think can lose like 60% of its value and or more, Don says. That, that, here's the thing about that. That's Larry's tails strategy, right? If you yeah, look at the yeah. the bell curve, that's stuff, one of his wacky strategies over on the outside. So, yeah, would I expect that that makes more if you put it all in U.S. small cap value? Yeah, I would. Would I expect it to be an incredibly volatile up and down <laughs> ride that would be crazy and have periods of time where you make nothing? I mean, really, literally nothing. Um, I, I don't, I don't manage my money that way. Uh, and, and nor do we for our clients just for that reason. And again, do I trust us small cap value, smaller companies that are beaten down to have outsized returns for what I hope will be 25 years of my life? I don't, I'd rather spread it out. I just, I don't know what the next 25, 30 years holds for any, I, I don't know for stock returns. If it'll still be that great for small, and it has been. Mm -hmm. I think we just mentioned this on the podcast, right? Small, U.S. small values made like 13.5% annualized going back to 1927. Way better than being in the S&P 500. But look at the last 12 years, really, since the crisis, right? U.S. small, U.S. large has way outperformed U.S. small. And would you have stayed the course, Brian, when you look at all this and say, no, 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 I know U.S. small is going to have the, by the way, the last year, it's up about 70% small value. But would you have been able to hang in there and say, yeah, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Most people simply cannot do that. They can't take the day to day pounding of their portfolio, as you said, tracking air, doing much less than everyone else's. I, here's what I think. Here's what I think because I think I got this from Paul. You mentioned Paul Merriman recently, Brian. I think Paul. We talked about this, not on on the air or anything, but off the air about good enough. I personally think owning a diversified portfolio of thousands of stocks is good enough. You'll make enough over time. Will you make as much as if you had it all in the, uh, an asset class that has done better? Mm. Maybe not. But it's good enough. I'd put it that way. Ah, here. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, 40-year periods. The, this is actually pretty impressive. The worst, I wanted to find out what the worst 40-year period was for small cap value was an 11% return. 
Average annualized. Annual, annualized. Pretty darn good. But there have been periods where the the, the, the decline has yeah, been. I don't greater. remember what. I have to. I'd have to go back and look at every single chart. But I just wouldn't. Why do it? Why take that kind of crazy risk unless you're just a crazy person? And that's okay to be crazy. You can already yeah, own it. And you why just don't small have to own that much of it. Be my take. I, I, they, he's saying that's going to take off some of the edge. Um, but I also think it's like saying, well, yeah. U.S. has outperformed international slightly long term. So why have international? You own international because there are times when that international portfolio makes you feel a lot better about owning stocks. And that's why I think large is, has a place there. Now, maybe if you wanted yeah. to go all value, large value, small value, still risk, but. Again, I, I just it you're making a bet. I mean, I'd rather just own the market and say I'll take what stocks in general will provide because they provided a lot. Yeah, are you done? I didn't know if that was the end of your statement. I said because they provided a lot. Period. If he just they say provided period a very at the end of it. Great period. Amount, I'm done talking Don. now. I'm doing my research. <laughs> Who does all the research? Pardon here? me. There's Most enough. of the research I do. You do most of the research uh, yeah. during the show. I before the show, I'm the research the guy. But during the show, Don's on the computer. You're trying. Okay. Thanks me. for the call. I didn't mean, to make it look bad, Brian. It's easy we appreciate to do. it. Eight five five nine three five. Talk. Look at Brian. Yeah, now, Tammy Brian. and Chris apparently do not have the patience of Brian. That's what I'm going to say from now on. It's instead of the patience of Job, it's going to be. Oh, the we lost Tammy. Brian. Oh. Yeah. Exactly. So. Oh, we lost Chris and we lost Tammy. Okay. Well. And by the way, he makes a very, I think Brian's point is fair. To listen to Paul, to listen to Larry Swedrow and a few others, that's all you really, you don't need to read all the rest of the stuff because that will give you a basis for very good portfolio development, financial planning advice that will take care of you for a very talk. That's our phone number, 855-935-8255. Call will try to make money make more sense and uh, make it a little easier to manage and uh, do it more sensibly and uh, give you a second opinion about a lot of problems that exist out there. Give us a call. Tom and Don are talking real money. A second opinion could save your life either physically or fiscally. Let one of our Vestry advisors help you save your future at Vestory.com. V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Yeah, I've been going through all the numbers for small cap value. Small cap value um, in 2008, same period where the yeah. <clears throat> where the total market lost about 50, it lost 55. Yeah, I mean, it's more volatile. It's riskier. I mean, these are smaller firms, right? So when the future looks dim, they should have a tougher time. Value stocks the same way, right? They're riskier assets. And over time, taking exposing your money to those riskier assets, if you will, has made you more. Not a lot. That's not my ding. That was yours. I no, guess, that's my ding. I'm I'm oh. I'm dingy. Oh. Okay. Uh, that's just a caller. That's all it's saying. It's saying oh, there's a dingy, caller. Dingy. Yeah, dingy, that's dingy. my caller dingy. So I pay attention. And uh, the number is eight five five nine three five talk. And Cynthia's next. Hi, Cynthia. Welcome to Talking Real Money. Oh, hi. I'm confused why. Uh, or if we should have like index fund bonds, you know, they, they say it's to protect your portfolio, but they lose money. 
I don't understand. Okay, let's take that up for a moment. First of all, the style of bond fund, in other words, should you use an actively managed fund or an index fund? We're always going to say index because it's a lower cost. No, I think her question is why well, bond no, no, I'm funds to as opposed no, to individual I'm... bonds? Oh, okay. I miss I think she was saying why are bonds losing money? No, no, no. She said why a bond fund. Is that what you're saying, Cynthia? Index. <laughs> what? Index fund bonds. Index fund because I know they're safer. Yeah, but but are you questioning whether we you should have a mutual fund or just questioning bonds oh. because they go down? Well, you you got me on mutual funds versus bonds, and I don't know. I I just all I know is that bonds lose money when the interest rate goes up, right? Right. So, um, why do we want that? Do you know when? Do you know when interest rates will rise, and do you know how far and for how long they'll rise? Right. No. Huh. Yeah. That's and by the, the way, just let's so compare you're, you're losses saying, just for a. Mo- yeah. You're saying it is good to have bonds. Yeah. Let's talk about the comparative losses. I just looked this up. The intermediate term bond index this year is down about two and a half percent. Don just mentioned that when stocks have tough times. They lose sometimes half of their value. Mm-hmm. So bonds, at from time to time, they'll be down a little bit, but nothing anywhere near what stocks will fall. And bonds have been, U.S. government bonds, a very stable part of the portfolio for a long period of time. So you can't look at everything sort of week to week, month to month, or for that matter, year to year. Bonds, hopefully, will provide that stability in your portfolio for many years to come. We don't can't guarantee it. But stocks are far more volatile. And so, yes, we would recommend index bond funds. See, we all want to only buy the things that go up, Cynthia. That would be the per- a perfect world. We only bought bonds when interest rates were falling. But we can't do that because we don't know. People have been saying for the past 10 plus years that interest rates have ha- have nowhere to go but down. I'm sorry, but up, and they've actually gone down over the past 10 years. They've gone lower, which means bonds, when everybody said couldn't make the money, actually went up in value. A lot. A lot. A lot of money, a couple of years, yeah. So this year they are down, and who knows what next year holds. But again, they're there for portfolio stability. The returns really should come from the stock part. And again, don't get caught up with the fact that they're down a few percent. Does that help, Cynthia? Yeah. Would you want to put a bond in your Roth? Because it seems like that would be more, you you know, you don't have to worry about taxes in there. Well, but the bonds don't pay much either. So. No, I mean, again, the Roth would be where you'd want to have the riskier things like stocks because those have more growth. Yeah. yeah. And they're For gonna example, grow a, bond, a bond in your Roth might at best right now, if, if rates don't change at all, pay you about one, one and a half percent a year on which you'd pay taxes, but it's only on one and a half percent. Whereas not in a Roth. Not no, in a Roth. But what I'm saying is if that was all oh, outside. If, if in correct if, if if you had stocks in the Roth and they go up forty percent, well you're not paying taxes on that. So it, it, you want to have your more aggressive assets inside your Roth IRA, but you still want to have bonds in the portfolio because you want you've got we have all got to stop looking at portfolios as all their pieces and parts. They are not their individual molecules. They are one organism. 
you wouldn't you wouldn't pay any attention to what the molecules in your body are doing, but you pay attention to the whole organism. You need a healthy organism, and that's your entire portfolio. So make sure it has all the right pieces and parts, and then watch what the portfolio does. Thanks for the call, Cynthia. 855-935-TALK. Tom and Don are talking real money. Tom and I created Vestry to help everyone become a better investor, even those who will never be clients. Let one of our advisors help you start your financial plan or solve a money problem free with no obligation or high-pressure sales pitch at Vestory.com. V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. That telephone number is 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255. Give us a call, just like Chris. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Chris? Chris? Chris. You guys all the time. You're awesome. Thank you. And um, recently I, I read the book by Jack Bogle. It was the Three Fund Portfolio. And um, I know that he uh, he was an advocate of bonds, but then I noticed today that there are bond replacement strategies. So I just wanted to know if you guys could comment on are bonds still valid today or is a bond replacement strategy the way to go? So what are you replacing them with? Yeah, what is the replacement? I know. I just want to hear it from you. I don't know. That's what I'm asking you guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, let me ask you which which let me ask you another question, Chris. Which sounds safer to you? Mm-hmm. A security issued by the US government, mm-hmm. backed by the full faith in government, that's a security full faith or yeah. a security issued by an insurance company mm-hmm. that uses the assets there to invest in all kinds of derivatives, options at all to make a lot of money and give you part of it. Which sounds like the safer security to you? Yeah, full yeah, faith. yeah, you know, so mm-hmm. that is what you're replacing. And the what I mentioned was this bond replacement strategy, because because a 60 40 portfolio will never work for the next 20 years because bonds will lose. We have no idea what bonds are going to do starting on Monday. None whatsoever. Has a 60 40 portfolio worked for a very long time. Yes, a very long time through great markets, bad markets, rising rates, lowering rates, et cetera, et cetera. So about please. 95 years. Yeah, right I mean, this is a silly, years. this is a promotion, if nothing. Yeah. I mean, and that's all it is. Let me just tell you a little bit about these. First off, a uh, the Vanguard Total Bond Index ETF has an, BND. An, BND has an annual mm-hmm. expense ratio of, ready, 0.035%. So that's three okay. and a half basis points? Yeah. Yeah. Basically costs you nothing. The bond replacement strategy being sold by these idiots that's called an indexed annuity in most cases yes, or some sort of index life product, it comes with an upfront commission to pay to the agent of somewhere between 7 and 10%. Yeah, we just had somebody come in the office who'd been sold a $300,000 one, figure out how much that person made in one afternoon who sold them that product. Mm-hmm. That money has to come out of someone's pocket. Now, I guarantee it's not the insurance company's pocket, nor is it the agent paying him or herself. No, that money comes from you. So if they're promising you a high return and paying their agent 7 to 10%, then you 
have to have an investment that is of much higher risk. You have to. It's financial physics. That's why I call thing. That's why I call it physics. It's like physics. Science. It's science. So no, we still favor U.S. government bonds. Thank you. And uh, we still favor using them in a bond fund. Don mentioned a very, very good one, the Vanguard Total Bond Exchange Traded Fund, which holds thousands of securities. Not making much right now, but will keep its value through good times and bad times. That's what you really want from the fixed income portion of your portfolio. Thanks for the call, Chris. No, no alternatives. Alternative is just a fancy way of saying we're going to figure out a way to get more money out of you and 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 put it in our pockets. 855-935-TALK is our phone number. 855-935-8255. We really, actually, we have had fights. With, there are all kinds of alternatives. As a matter of fact, some of the uh, some of the industry we talked about this in a podcast is pushing as an alternative to stocks. They're pushing. Uh, private equity yeah um and there are a lot of people pushing it but it, it, even i we got a note from someone i may get to that about vanguard doing it Pr- the these gimmicks are just that they're gimmicks they come they go there was a time not too long ago when everybody was saying well instead of just getting dull boring bonds why don't you get some nice auction rate notes these things are paying a rate that's twice as much or 30% higher, and you can get out of them any day because there's always mm. an auction. There's always been an auction. Until but 2008, it, and there were no auctions. Until there were no more auctions, and now you're yeah. stuck with this long-term illiquid security you can't get out of. That's but, losing its value, of course. So Wall Street, insur- Insurance Street, what do you call the insurance companies? Insurance know. Street, uh, AIG Avenue is what uh, I call them. AIG Avenue. Yeah, these yeah. these folks are working day and night to come up with some new, complex, convoluted, expensive, usually riskier than you know way to separate your money from your person. Eight five five nine three five. Talk. Give us a call. Want a free copy of my book, Financial Physics? Well, go download it right now at Vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. Your guides to a really great financial future. Tom and Don are talking real money. Welcome back to our little gathering of people talking about money. Two guys who are never wrong, and all of you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> We're wrong a lot. We We've just been try wrong to be yet right. this hour. No, 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 no. We, I think we mm-hmm. nailed almost everything. Okay. Bonds, we got that right. Yeah, we, mm-hmm. yeah, we got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been we've been doing okay. Eight five five nine three five talk is our phone number, and Mike is next. Welcome to Talking Real Money, Mike. Hello, Mike. Thank you. How are you? Good. How are Good. you? I'm uh, I'm seventy eight years old. I've got nine million in assets and a paid for house, and I have three point two million in IRAs. And every year when I have to take that required distribution and pay the taxes on it, I start thinking, would a Roth be a smart thing to do? Or at age 78, is that maybe a dumb move? You mean start to start to recategorizing, converting converting your money from IRA to Roth? You know, if Mm. you were to, yeah, if you were to convert it, how would you do it? Would you do it gradually over two or three years? Mike, Mike, you're already doing it gradually. 
You're you already, already doing, doing it gradually. Your you, required minimum distributions are about as gradual as it can get. Yeah, you're taking out about what four and a half percent at seventy eight, four and a half percent of the value somewhere in that area. Nah, nothing to be done there. I'm, I wish there was, but you'd just simply be paying more tax today. The likely. Oh, well, oh, here's another idea. Okay, here. Wait, I don't. Are you charitably inclined? Ah, that is an idea. Am I who? Charitably Charitab- inclined. Are you? What's going to happen to this money after you're no longer with us in in the Not flesh? Not that you're dying or old, but no, what, what, just, what's the purpose? The, the day will come. <laughs> right. Indeed. What are you going to do with this money? Oh yeah. Oh, uh, probably go to my kids. I've okay. Got- because if there was some that was going to go to charity, then yeah. there there are things you could do to reduce that tax bill. If some of it was going to go to charity, Qualified, and if you were yeah. going to give to charity at the end, this would probably be the place from which to do it. It makes way more sense. You could do a qualified charitable distribution QCD today, which would reduce your tax bill. You'd give away some of that IRA every year and not have to pay tax on that. That might be the smarter move. But to start converting at age 78, Mm-mm. no, that does not make sense. You're just paying tax now that you may never pay. By the and, way, your heirs may pay it. And you're very likely going to kick yourself into an even higher tax bracket by doing bigger conversions over the next few years. So um, I would just continue my RMDs. And do and consider the charitable and distributions and count your that it was the tax advantage early on that helped you get to a net worth of over nine million dollars so you were blessed with that tax advantage for years before so i i i'm a big believer in counting those great blessings you got to eventually pay the piper one way or another so um, you can't have a tax-free lunch right there is no tax-free lunch. 855-935-TALK. That's our phone number. And Gates, you're next. Welcome to Talking Real Money. Tom and Don, how are you doing today? Good, sir. Good. Thank you. Uh, you, you both have been very helpful in the past answering questions on, on Rock Conversion. And then Joyce Hankins and, and Tom spent about an hour on the phone with me at Vestry.com. So I'm very appreciative of all your help, your entertainment, and your information. My question today, actually two of them, is about the best method of cost basis calculation to elect when reporting capital gains. Two examples. One are some mutual funds that we've owned for years, like 25 years. So they've they've appreciated a lot in value, uh, have both covered and uncovered shares. So that's one example. The second example is a... um, We've moved or we're going to move our emergency fund into Vanguard's short term investment grade uh, fund. And we just started that this year. But if that's going to be the fund that we move money in and out of for, for um, living expenses, is there a different means of cost basis that we ought to utilize for that one? So, two different questions, both on cost basis. Yeah, and I always there's two methods of doing that. Well, there's there's of, LIFO, there's, there's FIFO, yeah. and then there's average. Yeah, average. So, because are this are these are purchases you made over time? The the first example are funds we bought over time. Or okay. Because the dividends and, and capital gains were invested, they were purchased over time. Some as far back as the late 1990s, and so some have been in there quite a while. In the last three years since I retired. 
we're taking all the capital gains and and dividends for our cash flow because we had to pay tax on them anyway. But that's one example. So their shares have been in there for a long time and accrued over time. Um, but then the second example is we just we're going to use the short term investment grade fund yeah. for for emergency fund or for our, our living expense fund. Yeah, the VFSTX. Very familiar with the fund. And I'm going to take that one first. <laughs> because I can answer it pretty easily. The reality is there, there's going to be not very much interest. I've used that for many, many years, and I don't think I've paid very much tax on any of that. And I've moved money in and out of that fund. I've had it hooked up directly to my bank account. So I don't think that's going to be a big issue. The decision on taking out the other money and paying the capital gains, that is a far larger issue. It is a gigantic issue because not only do you have LIFO and FIFO and average cost, but you also have... uh, you also have specific identification. Yeah, that so was... So we're getting into really complex tax strategies, um, which a good advisor can do with you or a good accountant can do with you. But it requires a much deeper delve into your situation, the specificity of these, to actually sitting down and doing a calculation, saying if we do this at this and this at this and this at this, what do we come up with? And running scenarios to try to determine which is best for you. I mean, you could find that first in, first out is better. You could find that last in, first out is usually last in, first out. Is usually not. They, they, yeah, they usually not, but nope. it, it could be different. I think most it's people different use different average generally. Generally, they use average. Generally. Yeah. Again, I don't want to state that, but I think it's probably pretty average. Yeah. Um, it's easier. True. It's easy because mm-hmm. your fund can give you the average, but it, you really, this is where, this is where we move from being able to give you advice on the radio or in a podcast and you needing professional help. And it doesn't sound very professional with your dog barking behind you. I don't know what she's barking about. <laughs> Thank you for your call. And it's thank not you supposed for... to be able to get. I got to get a solid core door. That's all thank there you. is to it. And thank you for your call, Gates. And thank you for asking for help. By the way, those of you tuning in expecting to find the Doc Gallagher Radio Hour, what are you talking no about? Longer, no longer oh, heard the at this Doc time. Doc Gallagher Show. Oh my God. <laughs> no longer because Doc is very busy. He's Doc well, he's kind of tied up jail. at this moment. You can't. <laughs> not going to be available for oh, let's just say thirty years or so. Uh, Doc and his. Gang, the Gallagher Financial. I shouldn't be laughing because this is really serious. Uh, he advertised on Christian radio. See you in church on Sunday. Now, he didn't apparently talk about what he was going to do on Monday when he was going to steal your money. Doc uh, been doing that for a number of years. Uh, he got 25 years on another charge. Wait, wait, Now wait. he just got 30 years. No, and... he got three life sentences. I know. They're calling They're calling it a 30-year sentence because they're concurrent, and he's yeah. 80. That's all. But oh. <laughs> he ended up taking 32 he's million. He's not going to serve is, 30. He, won't, point he is, won't make it to 30 years. I know. The point is affinity fraud is alive and well, and you should always be cautious about that kind of thing. Yeah, it was a Ponzi. Tom and Don are talking real money. Is your portfolio a mess? You may have a case of hodgepodgeitis, but don't worry, we can help. Just set up a free, no-obligation meeting with a Vestory advisor at Vestory.com. No sales pitch, guaranteed. That's V-E-S-T-O-R-Y dot com. For your real life and real future, Tom and Don are talking real money. Yeah, you don't want an advisor just because 
they share your religious belief or they're nice people or they're neighbors. That's just not a good way to pick an advisor. You want a 100% fiduciary. You want someone who looks out for your best interests at all time. You want to make sure that you have your money with a third-party custodian, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, those kinds of places. And if you need a little help along the way, we have a fiduciary firm called Vestry. 100% fiduciary, 100% fee only, no commissions. We use Schwab to custody our money. But we'll help anybody, anytime, without obligation, without cost, and without a high-pressure sales pitch. You just go to Vestry.com and set up an appointment. That's Vestory.com. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That's a wrap.